Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to Moms and Murder, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I am doing great. Good. I had an exciting thing this morning. What happened, Mandy? <laughs> I, well, I didn't hatch Don't. out a baby chick. One of my chickens hatched out a baby chick, and uh, there's hopefully going to be a couple more on the way, but um, by the time this episode comes out, they're going to be like two weeks old, and I'm going to be over it, so... But I'm excited right now while we're recording this. <laughs> Here in this moment, this is a very exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah. We've been trying to get her some chickies for a while. So I'm very happy for my chicken and for myself. I feel like you're mostly happy for yourself. I am. Let's okay. be honest here. <laughs> so another cool thing uh, that just happened a few days ago, um, we celebrated our one-year anniversary of the show. Yay! And we had so much fun. We did. We did a little live video in our Facebook group. Um, thank you so much if you tuned into that. That was a lot of fun. There was a lot of people interacting with us on there, and it just made everything fun. We had decorations, like a Sweet 16 party, yes. and balloons, and cake, and champagne, and it was great. Yeah. I loved it. And um, Only kind of went off the rails. It was okay. Just a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, So yeah, one year under our belts. Um, hard to believe, but very exciting. 
And one other quick thing we wanted to go ahead and let everybody know about is that we are going to be part of a meetup that is happening in October. It's actually going to be on October 13th in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, there's going to be some other great podcast. Um, Southern podcast. Southern podcast. Uh, Southeastern, really. Yeah. And um, we chose uh, Atlanta because it was kind of a good central location for all the podcasters that are involved. Um, there's going to be a lot of ones that you probably recognize, and um, we have been lucky enough to help um, Laura from the fall line kind of put this together and plan it, and we have a venue picked out. And um, Well, here's the thing. If this is a success, then we've had our hand in it. Yeah. If it's not, then we I didn't don't do know anything. how this yeah. happened. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we will be sharing a lot more information about that as it comes up, but that's just something kind of to keep in mind if you would be interested in um, coming to see us. That's just weird. Come see other people. Yeah. We'll also be there. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll also be there. Um, so that's uh, October 13th in Atlanta. So if you want to put that on your calendar or not. Um, I'm just here to we let you won't know. know. We won't know whether you do or not. Yeah. You know, we won't hold it against you. We're good. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get into the episode this week. Um, I got the idea for this case after uh, my friend and one of our longtime listeners, Sarah E., shared an article on the case in our Facebook group a few weeks back. And um, I was really fascinated by the story. It's about this young Maryland couple who kind of lived on the wild side, and they just couldn't get enough thrill to satisfy themselves. So they decided to move on from robbery and drug use to murdering people. <laughs> That's um, the next logical yeah, step. Yeah, of course. Um, so the story is really incredibly sad and all around horrifying, honestly, but there are some really bizarre elements to the case, which makes it perfect for moms and murder. The couple we are talking about today is Erica and Benjamin Seifert, and the story unfolds in Ocean City, Maryland, where the couple was vacationing over Memorial Day weekend in 2002. So we have... A, we did not Google this city. Um, I didn't have to Google this city because it's this, taking so many turns. Yeah, it is. Um, because my friend Sarah, she um, is actually from that area and knows Ocean City, Maryland very well. So she actually fed me a lot of stuff. She was very excited and forthcoming with information about Ocean City. So I didn't have to Google it. Um, so thank you, Sarah. We are going to talk about some of the things you sent me. Um, so Ocean City, Maryland is a barrier island, and that means uh, the ocean is basically there on one side, and then on the other side, it is uh, two bays. So like B-A-E? Like, like hey bay? <laughs> no. <laughs> like B-A-Y. Okay, got it. Um, so this kind of provides a unique opportunity to enjoy either, like I said, a day at the beach, or you can take your boat out and go for a quieter day on the water um, where it's a little bit more calm. That kind of reminds me of um, people who are from like Florida or like the Daytona area, it kind of is the same thing where like you have to go over a bridge, like cross over the inner coastal river. Right. And then you get to the other side and then there's the beach there. So that kind of reminded me of that. I was able to picture it in my head a lot easier. Um, the Ocean City Inlet was created by a hurricane in 1933, which led to Ocean City becoming a more popular sport fishing location and perhaps the most popular seafood that you can get in Ocean City or in Maryland in general is my personal favorite seafood, blue crabs. And when you're there eating them, you can expect them to be served up with lots of Old Bay or J.O. brand crab seasoning, which is really the only way to eat crabs. Um, but apparently it's not just all about crabs. They also have a place called Thrasher's that have, I guess, like their whole shtick is French fries. And you I eat could them. get behind that. Yeah, yeah, right? And so uh, my friend Sarah said you have to eat them with vinegar. So I don't know if that's malt vinegar or... Apple White cider vinegar? vinegar? I don't know. You'll have to let us know. You can clean your toilets and <laughs> eat your fries. <laughs> well, this took a turn. Okay. <laughs> Ocean City is a popular family vacation destination, and it is very family-friendly with its mini golf, uh, 
places, water parks, go-karting, and of course, the famous Ocean City Boardwalk and all of the amusement that can be found there. But there is also plenty of adult entertainment to be found when the sun goes down. One popular hotspot is a nightclub on the Bay Side called Secrets, and that is spelled with an S-E-A because that's super clever. Um, The atmosphere is very beachy with a sandy outdoor live music bar kind of environment and a dance floor on the inside. And Secrets is also part of this week's story. Erica Grace was born in 1978 near Altoona, Pennsylvania in a town called Roaring Spring. She was the only child to her wealthy parents and had the kind of life that left her wanting for nothing. Life as an only child taught Erica how to entertain herself at a very young age, and by the time she was in middle school, she had taken up scrapbooking as a hobby to keep herself busy. That's a very interesting middle school thing, It is, right? but I can see being, I mean, I was being very- an only child. Right. And I was very like into like those kinds of artsy things when I oh, was yeah. in middle school. Like I loved that, like just sticking stickers on things or, yeah, you know that's what I mean? True. Like that's I can see true. how that would be kind of fun yeah. to kind of get into. I can actually see your daughter getting into like scrapbooking, oh, honestly. Gosh. Please she don't tell her it. that's an actual <laughs> thing that people do. <laughs> I can't afford that. <laughs> In high school, she developed into an outstanding athlete and starred on her high school basketball team. Her father would spend countless hours fostering her love of the sport and frequently practice with her. In fact, her parents doted on her according to friends of the family. They were very attentive parents and Erica's number one fans. Erica graduated high school in 1995 and earned herself a partial scholarship for her athletic performance in basketball. She chose to attend the very prestigious Mary Washington College in Fredericksburg, Virginia, where she studied history and political science and eventually graduated with honors with her bachelor's degree. In her senior year of college, Erica met Benjamin Seifert at a bar, and the two had an instant, fiery connection. Benjamin was a Navy SEAL who had graduated at the top of his class, but even the strict discipline that the military provided him could not break Benjamin or BJ, as he was also known, from his wild side. He was reckless and daring, which would turn out to be the exact way that the couple ended up together. After a night of partying together, Benjamin asked Erica if she would marry him, and the two of them eloped, much to the surprise of Erica's parents, who had never even met Benjamin before their daughter announced that she had married him. Oh, my goodness. And for an only child, that has to be real hard for parents. Yeah. Like you, I can't even imagine just like the, like, what? You got married. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. My parents did that. They, My parents were married almost a year before anyone in their families even knew they were married. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So when I wasn't very rebellious, I thought I could have actually gotten away with a lot. Like you were literally married for a year and no one even knew. (laughs) (laughs) So shortly after the shotgun wedding, Benjamin was dishonorably discharged from the Navy after swearing at a sergeant who had given him a command. The couple moved back to Erica's hometown in Pennsylvania after her parents bought her a scrapbook store that she and Benjamin operated together. Did not know a scrapbooking store was a thing. No, I know. And um, they had said that her dad bought her this scrapbooking business because, of course, they remembered that she had always liked that. And they kind of wanted um, her and her new husband to be moved a little bit closer back home so that I guess they could keep an eye on them. I don't know. Yeah. Um, So that's what they did. But I thought that was weird because it wasn't like, oh, he bought her like a – they didn't just say like, oh, they op- they started a scrapbook store. Like it literally said the dad bought her a scrapbook store. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I didn't know that was a thing, but maybe it was. I thought it was just like a back walls at Michael's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So it didn't take long for Erica's friends and family to notice that her new husband had this wild side and it was kind of starting to rub off on Erica. Friends hardly recognized her anymore and did not like the new version that they were getting. The couple purchased four pet snakes and gave them very strange names. They were Hitler, HIV, Bonnie, and Clyde. Why would you name an animal HIV? What? I mean, any of that. Yeah. Like, you have to say that name when you go places. Like, what do you tell the vet? (laughs) 
BJ also had gotten, um, during shortly after their marriage, he got a large tattoo of a swastika on his chest. Like, it was large. It took up, like, a whole the whole, like, upper left quadrant of his, like, torso. <laughs> Is that a medical term, the upper left quadrant? I'm just trying to give it's you pectoral. a pectoral. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> By May of 2002, the two of them had pretty much lost their minds and just continued to fuel each other's fires. They partied hard together and not just with alcohol, but also with prescription narcotics, and they frequently engaged in acts of shoplifting and other petty theft. Erica's favorite place to steal from was Hooters, of all places, and the couple would break into different Hooters locations to steal memorabilia for her collection on a regular basis. They were a pair of real thrill seekers, and they were always chasing their next adrenaline rush, and they just really fed off of each other. I mean, um, one of the things I watched was there was... I watched a couple things. We'll link them all. I don't remember which one it was now. But in one of them, the detective was saying, like, these were two people that, like, if they were on their own, not likely to, like, get into a lot of trouble. Right. Together, it was just, like, boom, like an explosion. Like, they just encouraged each other and, like – Fed off of each exactly. other. On Memorial Day weekend in 2002, the Seiferts and their snakes headed to Ocean City, Maryland for a mini vacation. They brought enough drugs to keep them high for – three days, as well as a loaded pistol. I don't know why you need that when you're going on a beach vacation. I guess you got to be prepared for anything. Um, You brought your snakes. Can't snakes basically (laughs) stay on their own for like weeks at a time if you like throw enough mice in there? Well, I thought they only really eat like, don't snakes only eat like once a month or something? That's what I'm saying. Like, why did you need to bring them? I had no clue. On Saturday, May 25th, the couple chose to check out the popular nightclub Secrets that we mentioned in the beginning of the show. They got on a public transportation bus and set off for their version of a fun night. Um, something interesting that Sarah told me about the uh, Ocean City is that everyone there uses this public bus system instead of like drunk driving or biking or whatever, um, which I think is pretty cool. I personally have a thing about public transportation because germs and things like that. Yeah. Um, I just like get – I don't like public places in general. But, like, this seems more like a confession than anything else. <laughs> But I think that's pretty neat that like it's it's heavily uh, used, yeah. you know. I guess it's I guess public transportation is heavily used here. I don't know. I don't feel like it's as necessary here. I mean, everything here is so far spread out, so you're going to have vehicles. If that makes sense, yeah. You know what I mean? And like you, if you think of somewhere like ah, oh, no, that doesn't make sense. New York City is just heavily populated, but there are those places where everything happens in one area, and so it makes sense to just travel that way. I get it though. Yeah. So on the bus, Benjamin and Erica met another couple, uh, Martha, or she actually went by Jeannie uh, Crutchley and Joshua Ford, and they were also in town on vacation from Fairfax City, Virginia. When it came time to get off the bus, the Seiferts noticed that they did not have the exact change for the bus fare, so Jeannie and Joshua offered to pay it for them, and the Seiferts agreed to buy them a drink at Secrets in exchange for the bus fare. So the two couples, along with another couple that was also on the bus with them, uh, all went into the Secrets nightclub that night and just hung out, had drinks. They were just partying. After several hours of drinking into the early morning hours of May 26, the Seiferts invited Jeannie and Josh to come back up to their condo to continue the party. They said they had a hot tub, some pot, and they could all have a few drinks and keep hanging out. Detectives believe there could have been some promise of sex, but something went horribly awry. At some point after the two couples got back to the condo, the Seiferts decided to play a sick game with the unsuspecting couple that they had only met just hours before. While they were all partying in the hot tub, Erica got out and went upstairs and moments later started yelling that someone had stolen her purse, which is bizarre because you're all in the same thing together. Right. Like you were all just in the hot tub. Like, you- 
who had time to do it? And where did they put it? That's, right. Did you put it inside your purse? You're in a condo. Yeah. It's not like... <laughs> it's like my first thought would be like, I misplaced this right. completely. Yeah. That's just kind of a bizarre thing. It would turn out that this was actually not true, but merely the start of a twisted plot between the thrill-seeking cypherts. Upon hearing that Erica's purse had been stolen, BJ went to retrieve the gun he had brought and pointed it at Jeannie and Joshua while demanding that they return the purse from where? Right. <laughs> from where? And that's a bit excessive anyway for like right? a reaction to a stolen purse. How many times have you misplaced things in your life? If I grabbed a gun every time I misplaced something, <laughs> I would be in prison. So the unsuspecting victims were horrified at this turn of events, but that only seemed to add fuel to the Cypher's fire. Erica then dialed 911 asking for help and claiming that there were people in her apartment that she did not know and that they had stolen her purse. The call was abruptly ended before she gave the operator the address, so police never responded to that call. Imagine how differently things could turn out, really. Yeah. So, Well, I just was surprised by that, though, because I always thought that, like... They could trace it? Yeah, especially if a call gets cut short. Like, you would think, like, something is wrong, like... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if someone's calling and saying some there's people in my place that I don't know and like, you know, I'm worried about like what could happen and then the call gets cut short, like and I feel like that would be even more reason to try and find out their location. Right. I wonder what okay, remind me what year this was? This was in two thousand two. So it's oh, not like I it was like... in the Stone Ages. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on how old you are. I don't know enough about technology. That would be a thing for our nine one one operator listeners. You know, how, how does yeah. that work? I would love to know that, actually. Yeah. So the call is actually very, very chilling, and Erica sounds extremely intoxicated. At this point, Joshua and Jeannie made a run for the bathroom and locked themselves inside to get some distance from the cypherets while they decided what to do next. Keep in mind, they are in a high-rise condominium on about the 20th floor, and there's only one way out, really. It's through the front door that you came in. It's not like you can go out a window or something like that. Um, so in order for them to actually get out that door they came in, they would have to confront the cypherets and go past this person who has been waving a gun around and they're like yelling about stolen purses and everything like yeah. that. So they are in the bathroom, I guess, trying to make a plan. Uh, so while the couple was in hiding, Erica ran to a uh, window that was, she went out on the balcony and then she could see there was a window there that looked into the bathroom. So she was able to see um, Joshua and Jeannie cowering in the bathroom in fear. And she, something in her snapped. She just became deranged and she was like giving her boyfriend BJ instructions on like where to aim the gun because he was on the other side of the door, bathroom door. And so since she could see in, she was kind of like, oh, like move it this way, move it that, that way. Is... And then telling him like when to fire. And, um, it just, I have goosebumps even saying that. That's yeah. like, that is so, I don't even, I don't even have words for that. So BJ fired the gun and uh, hit Joshua in the head, killing him instantly. And a panicked genie screamed as BJ then kicked the bathroom door down and she was begging for her life and he was pointing the gun at her and her cries and pleas for, you know, for her life um, really just only seemed to excite the Seifert couple. And um, he fired and shot Jeannie at point blank range in the bathroom. Wow. Yeah. That whole situation, I just can't even imagine. I mean, that's that's. There's one like, like a passionate, not you know, crimes of passion, right? That's one thing you hear, and you're like, that's terrible. But sometimes you get how somebody can get that heated. Not right. really, but you know what I mean, right? But this kind of thing to see, like, we could literally just leave the room, and they could get out later, or right. But to tell somebody directions, like, right. oh, if you want to kill them three inches to the right. Like, right. like they're playing Battleship or something. Yeah, it's insane. No, it is. And it really is. But that was like the one of the things that had come up was that they were just like so 
like adrenaline addicted, I guess. And like they Jump were just out of a always, plane. Yeah, right? Like do some I I, I don't understand how you go to like murdering people to get your your you know, your kicks, but um no, it's really is sad and, and really yeah, quite scary yeah. because I feel like this is the kind of situation that um could really happen to like anyone. You just don't really don't know. The Seiferts were now in a bit of a sticky situation. They had just murdered two people and they were inside of a busy condominium 20 floors up. BJ decided that the only way to get the bodies downstairs to dispose of them was to dismember the bodies and carry them out in bags. It took several trips up and down the elevator, but the couple succeeded. They drove across the border to Delaware with the dismembered bodies in the back of their Jeep and eventually disposed of the bags into dumpsters, which eventually ended up in a large Delaware landfill. Do you ever think when we talk about these like cases of people dumping evidence and stuff, like when they're like, they just drove down the highway. I always have this thought, like how many times are you passing people on the road and they're like carrying people in their trunks? It's bizarre. I know. Well, um, this sounds really terrible, but something that also I was wondering. This whole thing sounds terrible. In this case, I was wondering, why did they drive them to Delaware and put them in dumpsters? Like I just got done saying in the beginning, this whole area is surrounded by water. Like it would seem like that would be like the most logical place. Okay, now you're just giving tips how to get away with murder. <laughs> These are the things I think about though. <laughs> yeah. Well, please don't ever become deranged because you definitely get away with it. So once the bodies have been disposed of, these sickos went and played miniature golf and even posed for a chilling photo in which they are both smiling. And Erica can be seen wearing a necklace that had Joshua Ford's ring hanging from it. Yikes. That's really disturbing. It, it, I mean, this is out of the gate, like immediately, like I'm wearing this token. Right. And because she's such a scrapbookers. Right. There's a million pictures of all this going on. Later that day, the couple went to Home Depot and purchased a new bathroom door to replace the one that now had a bullet hole in it, as well as a gaggle of cleaning supplies to wash away the evidence left in the condo. Almost as soon as the cleanup was complete, the couple decided they would find another couple to murder just for the fun of it. The Seiferts invited Melissa Sealing and Justin Todd Wright up to their condo and started playing the same sick head games as they had with their first victims, but somehow Melissa and Todd escaped. So this was like a big thing. I found like a whole article written. I we only I only put like a little bit of information about them in this episode, but um, I could have gone into more. But that was kind of one thing that I had read was that they they kind of felt something was off with the Seifritz. And so when things started going south and as soon as they really started, they started doing the same like purse game, like who stole my purse, like whatever. Right. And um, but really the uh, female – potential victim in that in that situation, Melissa, she said that she was like the only one who wasn't really drunk um, that night. And so she kind of had like a better grasp on like what was going on. And so um, it's not really clear whether they like made a run for it and like escaped or if like she just said like before things got really heated, like she was like, okay, we're just going to leave. Right. Um, or they say it's possible that the Seiferts decided not to go through with that one because they um, were out of time and had to go back home to Pennsylvania. Um, Didn't want to buy a new door. I know. Yeah. Right. So either way, thank goodness for um, those two people for getting out of that because, um, you know, even the police and everything said like they are like certain that, you know, yeah. they escaped their death pretty much with these two. The exact same plan. Yeah. On Tuesday, May 28th, one of Jeannie's co-workers called police in Fairfax City when she failed to show up for work after the Memorial Day weekend. The police contacted Ocean City PD, who agreed to investigate the woman's disappearance. The Ocean City police located Jeannie's car parked outside the condominium where she and Joshua had stayed for the weekend. And when they entered the condo, they found personal belongings of the victims, and it appeared as though they had just quickly stepped out with the intention of returning shortly, which didn't match up to the fact that they should have been on their way home at this right. point. Um, police launched an active search for the missing couple, and within hours, the story was in the media and missing persons flyers were being posted all over Ocean City. 
Meanwhile, the Seiferts believed that they were just so clever and completely in the clear for these murders, and they didn't believe that police would ever be able to connect them to the missing couple or have a reason to um, suspect them. And Erica was even so bold as to uh, start doing her scrapbooking and putting like Bonnie and Clyde references in her scrapbook and just put all these pictures of them having this great time um, at the beach, like we said, mini golfing, and they're just posing for pictures, smiling ear to ear, just like nothing, nothing had ever happened. Yeah. Um, but the couple actually kind of got a little sloppy. And instead of laying low, they decided to break into a closed Hooters in Ocean City on their way out of town, going back to Pennsylvania. So Erica could get her thrills by stealing herself some new souvenirs. Uh, this little pit stop would be one that I'm sure they regret now. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more after we tell you guys about this week's sponsor, And we are really excited about this week's sponsor. We are. (laughs) So before we tell you about this week's sponsor, we're going to play you a little clip about this week's sponsor. This is from our friends with Songfinch. Been friends for a few years since that first playgroup date. You love your chickens Run around your zoo all day Drink my Diet Coke Wear my sweaters No matter how hot it is But hey, you stand by me anyway Okay, how great was that song? I cannot get enough of it We've Um, been dying It was the coolest thing ever The first time we listened to it um, We both kind of like freaked out We were like, oh my gosh Like this is so creative And so awesome And so like just, it's personal. So it is. It's just very neat and it just makes you feel so special. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, way it kind of worked was they, you know, asked if, if we wanted to work with them and they were like, just give us some information about you. You know, you can pick the genre of the type of music you want or, you know, um, if you want a female voice or a male voice, all that kind of thing. And so we kind of left it up to them for the most part. Right. We wanted to see what they could create. And so we were just blown away when we hear this. Yeah. So we just shared with them like a few of our inside things. If you couldn't tell. Yeah. As you heard. And some of our funny things. And, um, we decided, um, cause we had the option to, for one of us to have it done about like a family member or friend or something like that. But we wanted to have it done about us because why not? So, uh, it's so cool though. I absolutely love it so much. I want to get a song now for everybody that I know for every occasion. Yeah. Like I just, it's going to be like a thing now that I think about whenever I'm thinking about what gifts I want to buy right. for somebody. Well, there's some people you just don't know what to buy for, but you have like a good fun relationship with, and you have all these inside stories. It's the perfect gift. It's so unique. It's so awesome. I am. Um, I absolutely love it so much. Yeah. And they're all like professional songwriters. It's radio quality. It's amazing. So, um, make sure you check out the end of the show. We're going to play the entire song because we just are obsessed with it and, and it's so apparently great. obsessed with ourselves because we just love it so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you're looking for the perfect gift for someone you love, check out songfinch.com. Use offer code MOMS20 for $20 off your personalized song from scratch. That's songfinch.com and use offer code MOMS20 for $20 off your personalized song from scratch. And now back to the episode. So at this point, Erica and BJ have robbed a Hooters, and uh, as Mandy said, that's something they would definitely regret. The couple tripped the silent alarm at Hooters, and before they knew it, police were on the scene. Erica and BJ were caught red-handed as they loaded merchandise into their Jeep, and they were both placed in handcuffs. The initial search of the couple uncovered three firearms in total, and each of them also had a knife on them. In the Jeep, they found ski masks, flex cuffs, and tape. The Seiferts were under arrest for robbery, which would have been the only thing they were charged with if Erica did not 
in turn have an anxiety attack. She asked one of the officers on the scene if he could retrieve a brown pouch out of her purse that contained her prescription for Xanax and Paxil. The officer was only able to find one of the types of pills that Erica had asked for, so he continued to look through her purse for the other medication. He first checked inside of a different pouch that had medicine bottles in okay, it. Okay, how many pouches with medicine bottles do you have in your purse? She literally has a kangaroo pouch. Just like Right. This. And like, I don't know. I just feel like it's also such a weird thing to be like, you're I'm under arrest because I'm stealing from Hooters, but like asking the cops to like get my anxiety pills for me, like that just seems weird. Like I honestly didn't think you'd even do that. No, I didn't either. Like, I would think the officers would be like, no, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I thought that part of the story was kind of strange. Yeah. But at the same time, they're basically saying, go through my purse. I mean, you know, they're going to anyway, but he's like, oh, really? I can go through this now? Great. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Then he decided to look into a zipper pocket within the purse, and what he found was much different than Xanax. It was five bullet casings and two driver's licenses, one for Jeannie Crutchley and one for Joshua Ford. The officer said the discovery made the hair on the back of his neck stand up. So this was only just hours after the news had broken about this missing couple and um, they had started putting flyers out and really started circulating their pictures and saying that they were missing. So uh, if it wasn't really for that, then this officer may not have even known. Although, of course, I think it's suspicious whenever you have driver's licenses that do not belong to you in your purse. I feel like they would have eventually figured it out. But because he had just seen um, the news about the missing couple, he knew like that was the missing, those were the missing people's IDs. And um, yeah, I can just imagine the, the, like the realization of that, you know, that would just be very, very scary. Yeah. I always wonder with those like APB, the all points bulletin and stuff, like how much of that can you actually contain in your brain? I forget everything. So whenever there, you know, there's gotta be so many of those kind of things going on. I always wonder how much can they actually keep in your brain? Right. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. 
Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Detectives immediately obtained a warrant to search the condo where the Cypherts had been staying in Ocean City. The hope was that they would find the missing couple there, but sadly, all they found was evidence and confirmation of their deaths. Police found photos of the Cypherts with the victims on the night of the murder, as well as two bullets on the coffee table, one of which had blood and tissue on it that was later confirmed to belong to Joshua Ford. Other evidence was located, including the key to the victim's condo and bloodstains on multiple surfaces in the bathroom where the couple had been gunned down. DNA swabs were taken from all of the blood and proven to be from either Jeannie or Joshua. They also noted a bullet hole in the bathroom wall, cleaning supplies, and fresh paint in some areas. So you got a new bathroom door. But didn't painted it. patch the wall. Or pick up bullets. Yeah, like, no. Well, these two no are sense. just like idiots. Well, they, this, they thought they were in the clear. They didn't think... Yeah, you know they. I, and then the other thing I was confused about: did they? I don't know. I guess they owned this condo. That's what I kind of thought because it never said that they had rented it or that it was like a you know a vacation rental. And then why would they leave all this stuff there if they, they were going back home to Pennsylvania? I, I mean, I'm assuming it was their condo, like kind of their beach rental or right. or, or your, like their tower. home, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm I mean, assuming they, that I don't. They had know. a scrapbooking store. It's yeah. not crazy to think they had a beach condo. <laughs> Not that big of a jump. If I can get a beach condo by having a scrapbooking store, then sign me up. Sign my daughter up. That yeah. sounds great. <laughs> At around four in the morning, BJ Seifert was brought in for interrogation, but the interview was cut short when he uh, immediately implicated his wife, Erica, in the murders, said that he would not talk about it um, any further until he had a lawyer and then just shut down. Um, Erica was a little bit more forthcoming with information, but she still wouldn't commit to a story at first. At one point, she was asked by a detective what the chances were that Jeannie and Josh were still alive, and she told them there was a 50-50 chance. That's not a chance. That's, like, sick. And, of course, the officer was like, okay, like, these people are either alive or they're not. Like, yeah, yeah, like, that's a strange thing to say. Like, it's 50-50. Like, right. So, um, yeah, but she Do was... we know if she was good at math? Because I'm, I'm kind of wondering. <laughs> I don't think she was good at a lot of things. There you go. Eventually, Erica admitted to knowing that the couple was dead, but also took the route of blaming it all on her husband. She claimed that BJ killed the couple and that she had only helped him dispose of the bodies after the fact. When the sun came out that morning, Erica took police to a dumpster north of Ocean City, where she claimed that she and her husband had dumped the bodies, but a police search revealed nothing, and it appeared that Erica was toying with them. And later that day, Erica finally told police that the bodies had been cut up before being disposed of. That's another just tough thing for the officers to have to hear, you know, for the whole, their families, everything. That's just terrible. Erica eventually lawyered up and refused to give any further information about the murders unless the police agreed not to prosecute her. (laughs) I always love when people try to like bargain their way out of it. Like, okay, sometimes it works though. Look at the. I know, but I just, I hate that. Like, I hate that that's a thing. I know. I'll tell you what happened if you don't like. Yeah. You know, if I don't go to jail, I'm like, no, like, I don't care if you tell me or not. Like, because I feel like the police could figure it out anyway, eventually. Like, oh, with these two bozos. Yeah. Yeah. They literally had 
blood of victims in their condo. So I yeah. feel like you're pretty much already like you're guilty. You're halfway there. Yeah. You've got a 50-50 There's shot a, at figuring it out. Yeah, right? There's a lot of evidence against you. Honestly, I don't know. If I was the cops, I'd be like, not a chance. Like, sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get you for it, you know? Yeah. So Erica was eventually offered a different deal. In exchange for her information, they would not seek the death penalty or life without parole. Erica took the deal and then told police exactly how she and BJ had pulled off the murder and where they had disposed of the body parts. That's quite a big change in that plea agreement. Yeah. I don't want any jail time to like, okay, you just can't kill me. Right. That's it. Yeah. Police were able to recover only a few of the dismembered remains of the victims. The only remains they found belonging to Jeannie was one leg, and they found one arm and the torso of Josh. Mm. So sad. It's heartbreaking. On June 16th, 2002, Erica and Benjamin were indicted for the murders of Jeannie Crutchley and Joshua Ford. Benjamin and Erica were tried separately. At Benjamin's trial, he took the stand in his own defense and denied having any involvement in the actual murder of the two victims. He said that the four of them left secrets in a bus and Erica had gone off the bus with the other couple while he, quote, passed out in his Jeep because apparently he had tried to go up to their condo and did not have a key. So he went back downstairs, fell asleep in the Jeep. Uh, That's his story. And he stuck to it. He claimed that Erica woke him up hours later and was asking why he wasn't there for her when she needed him and uh, had said that she had killed Jeannie and Joshua and he agreed to help her dispose of the evidence. He was convicted of second-degree murder only in the death of Jeannie Crutchley, but was cleared of wrongdoing in the murder of Joshua Ford somehow. I have no idea. Um, He was sentenced to 30 years in prison. That's so small compared to two lives are gone, you know? Well, it's upsetting that he, like, got off, like, didn't get anything Anything. for Joshua's murder. Yeah. um, Which clearly happened in the condo. I I didn't... How do you get one and not the other? That doesn't make sense. Right. Erica's trial took place a few months later, and prosecutors felt they had a much stronger case against her because they had actually found those bullet casings and their victim's driver's licenses inside of her purse. And in the opening statements of Erica's trial, the prosecuting attorney showed the jury photos from the Seifert's time in Ocean City that Memorial Day weekend. They showed how the couple had played mini golf, laid on the beach, and how Erica had Josh's ring hanging from her neck. Erica's attorney claimed that Erica was in an abusive relationship with BJ and that he was the mastermind behind the whole thing, and she was just this... You know, basically they painted her as being kind of like dumb, like just going along with her boyfriend's like bad ideas. Um, But as the uh, trial continued and the testimony of the other witnesses continued, it became more obvious that Erica was actually the instigator of most of the illegal activity that the two of them had gotten themselves into over the course of their relationship. The jury eventually found Erica guilty in the murders and she was sentenced to life plus 20 years. Um, Seven years after they were locked up um they got divorced from behind bars and really i thought that was true love forever yeah and this part just drives me bananas benjamin is eligible for parole in 2021 and erica is somehow eligible in 2024 that's not very long from now no no i mean this was in 2002 I know that that was part of her deal, that they wouldn't give her life without parole but it shocks me honestly that she is going to serve potentially 22 years and then be eligible for parole. And their poor families, not not BJ and Erica's, but um, Joshua and Jeannie's families, every time this goes up for parole, that has to be such a nerve wracking. You know, yeah. it's just rehashing it over and over and over yeah. again. Um, yeah. So that's, I don't get that. That's a I don't get how that happens, honestly. Yeah. Um, and just because it wasn't like, it's not like manslaughter, like it was an accident and you accidentally killed someone. This was like straight up 
we tried it twice. Uh, right. And we just killed these people because we thought it would be like a fun thing to do. Like, right. That is sick. These people should never be out of jail. Um, it's kind of horrifying that they're, that they're getting out or that they could. For sure. Yeah. Hopefully they never, ever, ever get out. All right. So that wraps up episode 50. It's 50 episodes. Yay. I know. We forgot to mention it at the beginning. But yeah, we are halfway to 100 episodes. Wow. <laughs> That's the fact we pulled from it. <laughs> what do we get when we hit 100? I don't know. <laughs> Two years of podcasting under our belt. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So before we get out of here for the day, we have a couple last thing before we goes. Um, the first one comes from Melissa S. And she wants to know what weird nightmares we've had or what weird obsessions we have. Um, I have a very strange recurring it's not really a nightmare. It's a dream, but in the dream, I'm scared, even though it's not, I wouldn't consider it like a nightmare, but you're going to laugh when I tell you. I'm the on the edge of my of seat. So ever since I was probably like 13, I've had this recurring dream that I am in my grandparents' house and I'm like walking around and then I go out in the garage, but the garage is like not set up like it was really at their house. It's completely empty except for the there's a refrigerator in one corner and the refrigerator is gold. I don't, this is very strange. And um, I know like whenever in my dream, I can tell that like the garage door is not open all the way, but it's only open like a foot at the bottom. So right. I can see out, out the bottom that there's a person standing on the other side. I can see feet. Yeah. And then there's just this like gold refrigerator that is like open kind of like, and it's like, it's like cracked open. I can see lights, but it's like, and it's very strange and like nothing ever really happens, but like I, I have that like sense of like dread and like, I don't know who the person is like standing on the other side, the refrigerator. I don't know what the significance of that is. Um, but like every time I have that like dream, like I wake up and like my heart is like pounding like really fast and like, it's not really even scary. It's just weird. It's okay, very that's bizarre. Terrifying. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> that, how many times do you think you've had that dream? Uh, at least 10. Oh yeah. It, it happens every, I, I haven't had it in a while, but it happens like, yeah, like every couple of years, I feel like I have it. Yikes. It's very strange. The only weird nightmare that I can think of that really just freaked me out is um, we were with my dad's side of the family or something, and for some reason I couldn't like somebody was coming after me, but I couldn't yell like I had no voice. Oh, which, I hate those. Yeah, I have a little bit of a cold now, so I apologize uh, about that. But um, but yeah, no voice at all, and so like I'm begging people to listen to me, and you know that this person's coming for me, and everyone's ignoring me. Why did I not write it on a piece of paper? They just acted like, we can't figure out what you're right. saying. Move right along, you frantic maniac. So I've never quite figured that one out, but I hate those kind of dreams where I'm guessing there's like actual significance to those kind of dreams. Yeah. Like you feel like your voice isn't being heard, but screw you guys. I have a podcast now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had those where um, like you're trying to scream, but like you're not making any noise and yeah. like you're like frantic to like get attention by screaming and you can't. And then I've also had um, kind of in that same vein, I've had ones where I'm like trying to fight something off. But like whenever I go to like hit, hit it or punch it, like I have no, it's like my arms are like jelly. Like I have no strength to actually like fight off like whatever it is. This and is so my <laughs> favorite visual you've ever done. Thank you. I'm over here flailing my arms and like trying to like show her what I mean. But uh, yeah, so yeah, those are always strange. I don't really dream a lot actually. Um, I, I used to a lot more when I was younger, but now I don't really have a lot of dreams. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. I I barely sleep, so I don't think I even hit that stage of sleep. <laughs> All right. So now we have one from our lovely friend, Paula, and she wants to know, what were we teased about in high school? Not eating mayonnaise, Paula. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Mandy, what were you teased about in high school? I was teased about a few things. 
Yikes. <laughs> Took a turn. <laughs> no, actually, um, I was not popular in high school. I was kind of known, like, well, I've always had, like, really good RBF. Oh. Since I was a teenager. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, me too. <laughs> and um, mostly people would just, like, say those kinds of things about me, like that I was a B word. And um, Yikes. Yeah, I know. And it really was hurtful. And I wasn't trying to be. Um, <laughs> But then were you because they called you that? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, No. And then like I – this is like so sad and so terrible. But um, I like did gymnastics and dance. Like I did – took dance class and everything. And like I've always had more – I've never been like a really skinny person, you know. But like when I was really athletic, like I would have – I had like bigger – legs like they were like athletic looking like right. muscular legs but I'm just not built like a I'm not built as a skinny person so that's just how it looked for me right but people would say mean things like they would say like they would call me names Melissa like can you say any of them <laughs> do you want to rehash all of this <laughs> I feel like I'm in therapy right now I know I'm a terrible <laughs> therapist this is not going to help you at all <laughs> no um but people would just say mean things yeah like tree trunk legs or something <laughs> I need specifics. I need to know what I can call you later. I'm kidding. <laughs> what hurts you most? I'm going to bring it up it later. It's very similar to that. Um, yeah, it was terrible. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get emotional. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's turn it to me. Yeah. Well, I was always made fun of. Well, I don't know. There was a lot of things. Um, I mean, I was really <laughs> tall. It's hard being a girl being really tall. Like oh, you'd yeah. think it wouldn't be that that way. But like you can't – in high school, you don't really like guys that are shorter than you because um, that's just not an option in high school. <laughs> like you grow up and you're like, it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, in high school. And so if a tall guy dated a short girl, that was like devastating to me. It was such a waste and I was so pissed off about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I got called um, ginormous. That was one. But my friend kind of said that in a joking way. So that that's okay. But I got made fun of for being so um, like such a rule follower. And like nobody you wants still to still get made fun of for that. I now. know, <laughs> but I don't care now. But whenever I was younger, I was like, man, I wish I could be, you know, like cool and people would wish like I could me. be bad. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to break the rules. So is there a way we can do this? And uh, there wasn't. Oh, but whenever I was little, somebody made fun of my teeth. And you know, that's like very difficult for me. And I actually could sing the song right now and I won't do it, but it was, it was terrible. And I heard it in my head earlier this morning when I looked at this question and- This was a terrible question, Paul. I hate you so much. This hurts. You hate us, apparently. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like a little bit emotional. So yeah, mostly just being like, a goody goody and nobody likes that and I would be called a narc. And now I wear it as a badge of honor, but as a kid or at school, that's tough. <laughs> Same thing for yeah. me. I mean Were you were you a goody goody though? No, I'm saying like for what I said, like oh, okay. I was a B word. Yeah. But now I embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. It all comes full circle. There you go. Yeah. I always <laughs> tell my daughter, I'm like, you'll get whenever you're older, like you don't want to be the same as everybody. That's right. like one thing I wish I would have known in high school or really believed. Like, I don't want to be like everybody else. Now I don't want to. But in high school, like, it would have killed me if when somebody thought you were weird or different. Right. Like, that's the worst thing. And if your head is five feet above everyone else's in a school picture, you just don't hear the end of it. What's that freak tall girl? <laughs> Lots of that. <laughs> giraffe. Worse that's words. What, that's my favorite thing to call you, though. Yeah, it's fine. I, I like him. giraffes and I think they're beautiful. They're okay. They're kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, this got a little emotional for me. And yeah. So no, I'm just kidding. It's fine. I don't care. Whatever. I've moved on. Do you need a tissue? <laughs> no. For my nose, I'm sick. Okay. <laughs> So before we get out of here, um, we just want to let you guys know we do have a quick promo for you guys from Mysterious Circumstances. Um, it's a great podcast if you guys want to check that out. There's lots of episodes so you can binge through it. Um, and then don't forget to stay after that to hear our full song created by Song Finch. Um, I promise you that is something that you want to hear. Maybe it's not. It's something that I want you to hear. So <laughs> It's something we're going to listen to as soon as we stop recording. Exactly. So there you go. So all right, guys. Have a great week. Bye. My name is Justin. I host Mysterious Circumstances Podcast. If you're into everything from true crime, unsolved true crime, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, the occult, and everything in between, then you might like my podcast. But be forewarned, I am unscripted, unpolished, and a lot different than what you're probably used to. Playgroup date of how much you love your chickens. I run around your zoo all day. Drink my diet coke when my sweat is no matter how hot it is. But hey, you stand by me anyway. Yeah, yeah. We're both just doing the best we can. Solving mysteries in between the Case moms you could ever want won't ever take that back on these crazy rides. I love being your partner in crime. The gym's getting us nowhere, but it's no waste of time. Anytime we're together, I smile right up to my eyes. I love my reality shows you your rabbit holes of conspiracies in our lives, but we still get along just fine. Being